Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast, it's brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining me again on this, what is actually kind of a cloudy day where I'm at. I have with me my good friend, Carly. And Carly, thank you so much for making time. You said you're in Oregon earlier. What's the weather like there? Uh, it's uh, overcast and cloudy as well. I mean, that's typical Oregon in the winter weather. So it's okay. uh, pretty normal. <laughs> so so we're kind of sharing in the weather. It's about 50 degrees here. Oh, it's definitely colder here. It's probably in the 40s. In the 40s. So. Okay. So not too yeah. far off. A little cliche to talk about the weather to start, but um, <laughs> just to kind of give everybody listening in a, a bit of environment uh, to be picturing themselves in. We're, we're having this conversation virtually. The first time that you and I had the opportunity really to connect was at United. And we were just talking about this earlier before we started recording. And I was just struck by how easy it was to have conversation with you. And it just <laughs> naturally made sense to have you on the podcast. And so we did back in episode 84. Yep. And now we have the opportunity to have you back again. And you are one of the few repeat guests. So count yourself honored. Um, oh, I definitely count myself honored. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but truly, you, you are wonderful conversationalist. And, and uh, it's so easy just to kind of get carried away in conversation with you. And, and we've been talking <laughs> for probably a good 10 plus minutes. We could have just hit the record button from the time that we started the call. But um, thank you so much for you making did. time for the podcast. And it's great to have you back. Absolutely. No, I'm so happy to be back. I, I definitely do feel honored to be to be able to come back and, and just to be able to talk. And I, I, everybody says, you're always so easy to talk to. My mom's like, you have the gift of gab. I'm like, yes, I know, mother. <laughs> I get it from you. <laughs> well, you know, but some people say that kind of um, sarcastically or ironically about people that are just talkers. I, what I feel like in conversation with you is you're not just easy to talk to, but you actually have something interesting to offer. And well, um, that's always nice to hear. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, it's true. So, and and to that point, actually, our original uh, interview back in episode eighty-four. And for those of you listening and who haven't heard episode eighty-four yet, you've got to go back and listen. Um, Carly has wonderful stories to tell and an interesting kind of background as a photographer shooting mm -hmm. on a cruise line. And um, it's a it's an interesting conversation. You just have to go back. I won't I won't give too much of it away. Listen to episode eighty four if you haven't already. You'll get to know her personally as well as professionally, and kind of get caught up before then. Maybe you dive into this lesson or lesson into this episode today. It is going to be sort of a lesson. It, hopefully, yeah, absolutely. Um, but one of the things that we normally do when we start off the podcast interview is is what we call the aha moment, and um, this very simply is just that that biggest or hardest lesson that you've learned as a professional photographer, as a business owner? You shared one back in episode 84, but I wonder if you could share maybe another lesson, another hard lesson that you've learned um, as a photographer. I absolutely can because uh, business is always evolving. <laughs> but I think is the biggest thing is that things are always changing. I'm focusing a lot on education this year, and but focusing on education with you know real connection. So I've been only going to like in-person things. I'm not going to take any more online courses. I'm just not great at them. That's not how I learn well. So um, a few weeks ago, I went to the James and Jess workshop with James Whitty and Jess Fairchild, who I love. And a very aha moment was sitting around their dining room table in their home with them and everybody else who was attending the conference or workshop. And 
we had all spoken about our fears and what we struggle with as business owners in the beginning and just there to support each other even just as friends that we'd made over that weekend. And one of the things that I struggle with the struggle, I am struggling, I'm trying to get over it because that's what James told me I need to do, (laughs) um, is that I I have such a imposter syndrome. I always have this, I don't know why I'm good, like why people think I'm good enough. Even when people pay me, I'm like, oh my gosh, like they think I'm good enough to do this and they think I'm good enough to give me money. And I know that sounds crazy. I've been in business for a couple of years and I've been shooting professionally for 10. Like clearly I'm doing something okay. Yeah. But it's just this thing that I'm I'm always constantly at odds with myself. And so one of those big things that I think has come from or has given me more of imposter syndrome is finding your ideal client. Everybody talks about, you know, your ideal client should be this and everybody has it and everybody has this and we've given her this name and this and this and this. And that's so wonderful. And I was struggling so hard to find my ideal client. I could not put what I wanted into words. And there's exercises that are along the lines of like, what type of books does she read and where does she shop? And like things that are really, truly good questions. If you're trying to like, kind of, you know, create a persona for this person. Um, But those are all superficial for lack of a better word. Hmm. And I was sitting down and struggling so hard, just trying to figure out who this person was to me, because I have brides that are booking me and they're so incredibly different and I, but they're both my ideal client. And what it's come down to is something that's another huge element in my business, which is body positivity and self-love and different things like this. And these brides are booking me because they truly feel that I make them comfortable and they trust me to make them feel comfortable in their own skin. But these are very different types of brides. We're talking like one of them is a country club bride and one of them is my Victorian Gothic bride. Like those are very different people. And I was trying, I was struggling because I was like, I love these clients both so much. They're both my ideal client and they have nothing in common (laughs) except for the reason that they booked me. And so when I'm sitting down and I'm telling that to James and Jess, James just looked at me and he was like, then you've already found it. It's like, what? And he's like, he's like, your ideal client, you're speaking to their heart. You're not talking about where they shop. You're not talking Mm. about all of these different things. And it literally, I I had to have somebody say that to me. You've already got it. Like, um, and I literally just like, oh, I cried. Um, (laughs) It just opened my eyes as to like, you know, I've already figured out what I want. And that's, you know, how I want to make people feel in life is way more important than this persona of what type of shoes do they wear and what type of gowns do they want to look at and different things like that, because that's going to be so incredibly different for every single one of my clients. But what it comes back to is their heart. And that's what I'm really speaking to. And like, I say it now and it sounds so easy, but like literally two weeks ago, I was crying at James and Jess's kitchen table trying to figure this out. <laughs> so. Wow. Well, okay. So this brings up multiple talking points naturally, but of um, first of all, I love that you are making a proactive effort for the sake of education for yourself to improve what you're doing in business yeah. and, and ultimately in life. And, and I love that you're proactively choosing those uh, educational opportunities that involve relationships. I mean, to, to go to a workshop, an intimate workshop like that, I just got back from WPPI and WPPI mm-hmm. has its place, but it, it ultimately just, it's, and, and you know, that there was a comparison to a natural comparison this year as they, they moved the conference to 
Um, the Mandalay Bay is a different hotel yeah. from last year. It was nicer. The, the environment was more similar to the MGM in the past, the conferences in the past where you're walking through the hallways yeah. and you're, it's yeah. kind of like a reunion. You're seeing old, old friends from the industry and there's still a nice element to that. But ultimately, especially on the trade show floor, it's just, it's kind of cold and disconnected. And, and I'm just kind of jaded by that very kind of it's fate very interaction. Overwhelming. WPPI is so overwhelming. <laughs> like, well, it is, it is so true. Just simply in size. But you know, we're talking yeah. about this too before we started recording, and, and that is the importance ultimately of relationships with people who are willing to to go deep. And yep. it, you don't really have as much an opportunity for at least new interactions of those kinds in a place like WPPI um, yep. as much as more a, a, a smaller, more intimate settings like the one you're describing with James and Jess. So I love that you've had the opportunity to go there. And then, and then I listened to the lesson that you learned from being there. And, and it really speaks to this idea. I mean, as cliche as it might, might sound of mm-hmm. <laughs> being comfortable with yourself uh, enough to let that express itself through your business. And, and yeah. as a result, then naturally draw in your clients. And, and I, I think it's a really wonderful thing. It's a powerful thing. And, and frankly, it's still something that I'm also kind of struggling with in my own way. And, you know, I, I was watching mm-hmm. a movie yesterday. It's a new movie with Jennifer Lawrence called Red Sparrow. Oh my gosh, and I want to see it so bad. <laughs> it, it, it was, it was actually pretty good, but there was, there was a line that, that really resonated with me ultimately because of, because I know my struggle in it. And it was a line that was, of course, it involves Russians and it's a spy movie and, and this kind of thing. And, and I think it was one of the Russian characters that said something to the effect of referring to another character that this person is still trying to please their dad. And they were referencing yep. it in a in a in the context of it being a weakness for this person. They're trying to figure out basically how to get to this person. Uh-huh. And and they referenced it as a weakness. And it really ultimately, whether it's, you know, I, I'm myself or yourself or anybody else is still trying to please one of their parents in some weird way um, because of, of issues from childhood or we're, we're insecure and one or multiple elements of our, of our identity or whatever the, whatever the thing is that we're struggling with psychologically and how that's ultimately manifesting itself in our, in our personal life and our business. Yep. Mm-hmm. They are, they are ultimately weaknesses. They're getting in the way of our ability to truly not only enjoy life, but enjoy business and ultimately have yeah. an even more su- successful business. And I love that you are learning how to just kind of let go, be you and how that's ultimately manifesting itself in such a way that your business is growing. You're getting these clients that, that you're able to connect with so well. And I think that's a really beautiful example and a great encouragement for all of us. Yeah, it's, and it's, and I can say, honestly, it's, it's changed so much. I, that was two weeks or literally two weeks ago, like that I went to this workshop with them. And it was in those past two weeks, I have done better in my business after realizing that what I'm doing already is okay. You know, and like I said, I thought I was failing because I'm not, I'm not like everybody else. And, and I literally had James look at me and say, it's okay. And I was like, okay, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And it, it's interesting how really it's, it, it can be so encouraging because I've had similar experience or experiences as to the one that you're referring to where it's mm-hmm. just having somebody be a little bit encouraging or even just literally say those words, it's okay. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's such a breath of fresh air and, and it can bring emotion for sure. But it's just nice to know that, you know what, it's okay. And I, we, we're in a, 
a unique and ultimately really a very privileged position living yeah. in, in a you know first world situation where we don't have to worry about a whole lot other than what's going on right in front of us. And, and so we have a lot of time to, to kind of get in our head, right? And that can get in the way a lot of times of, oh, yeah. of being the best version of ourselves and ultimately running an effective business. Um, but it's regardless, it's the situation that we're in and it's nice to have people come alongside of us and give us a hug and say, it's okay. Um, and, and again, I love that you're just letting your personality come out in your brand and your business and it's, and it's working for you. And I think that's a great example for our listeners. Oh, thank you. It's yeah, it's definitely, it is, it is really nice. And I mean, it, cause it's one thing for my best friends or my mom to be like, it's okay. Everything you're doing is great. And I'm like, no, but you love and support me no matter what. Like I need somebody, I needed somebody yeah. just to even just from our industry to tell me it's okay. You're what you're doing is okay. What you're doing is great. Um, and, and I'm like, okay, then I feel better. <laughs> That's cool. Um, and that, that affirmation is, is yeah. hard. I think it's, it's so important, um, to, to have the support from our, ideally the photography community, but it really any community that we make a very proactive yeah. effort again, back to my conversation with you before we started recording the importance of community and, and having those people around us that really are truly there for us to have that yeah. community that's supporting us and that can give us that encouragement. That's important to, to be very proactive in that regard. Um, but I think as well, again, you're, you're setting a wonderful example and just letting yourself kind of sh shine through, letting that represent your brand. And as a result, you have the opportunity to connect with clients. That's encouragement for everybody out there for myself. And, and I do appreciate you sharing that. And speaking of sharing about yourself, you know, we, we got to know you a little bit on a personal level in episode 84, but I'd love for you maybe just to share something else kind of random about you that maybe most people don't know. Oh, goodness. I feel like most of the, I, I don't know. I mean, people who know me or people who've met me or even encountered me in social media yeah. um, really know that I'm super body positive. I'm curvy. Um, and that is, it, it puts a lot of other people at ease. And I love my body. I think that's like a very not normal thing too. Sure, uh, yeah. Um, and so, so that's one of those things that, but most people know that about me. I think what people don't know about me. I'm such a huge nerd. <laughs> like I am, I'm so nerdy. And what is, what does I, nerdy look like? Just paint um, a really a vivid picture for us. Paint a very vivid picture for you. Um, I have over 400 books and most of them are fantasy or sci-fi. Okay. They're currently all in boxes because I travel so much and my dad refuses to let me unpack them. <laughs> what's the favorite, what's the favorite book? Um, hands down the Harry Potter series is my, they're my favorite books. Um, currently the name of the wind by, uh, Patrick Rothfuss yes. is like so amazing. Um, but I'm like a super huge fantasy and sci-fi nerd. I love Star Trek and I love Star Wars, both of them. I have pretty much watched, well, of the newer Star Trek movies, like the first one, I've probably watched it 200 times. I'm, I mean, Chris Pine helps, but like, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, <laughs> I'm such a huge nerd. And a lot of my, like, my literary nerdiness comes out in my tattoos. I have uh, 16 tattoos, so I'm definitely, and I think that's that's what people don't initially know about me because like when you look at me, I mean, I have a half-shaped head and I have pink hair and I have like crazy big tattoos on my forearms and I have a big one on my chest, which when I, you know, wear low-cut shirts, you can see and things like that. So I'm I, when people look at me, they think that I'm almost very like, People tell me all the time, they're like, you're very punk rock. And I'm like, uh, no, but okay. But no, okay. <laughs> because I'm wearing skirts and dresses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love skirts and dresses. I'm such a girly girl. But contrast, you know, contrasts are one of my favorite things in life. I, oh, I, yeah. I, I love 
when you get that contrast, like like even the contrast that you're describing now, which you have a, a stereotypical anyway, kind of punk rock look, but you say you're you're the girly girl and you're wearing dresses and you got the tattoos, but you're a total nerd and you're reading fantasy. And I, I love the yep. mix. I think it's very interesting. Yeah. So I'm definitely like a huge nerd. And I think it's so funny because, so like I was saying, um, a lot of my tattoos come out literary. So my first tattoo I ever got is from Dan Brown's Angels and Demons. Um, yeah. And I got, so all of the visuals in that book are um, ambigrams. So the ambigram that I have on my left wrist says fire. So you can read it both you know, facing me and facing away from me. Mm-hmm. And that is, I'm an Aries. I'm like, fire is just, it's the constant reminder of like passion and be able to do what you love and all these other things. And that fire, I mean, fire is so important in my life. Like I said, I'm an Aries and everything <laughs> resolves around that. And then on my right wrist, I have the word infinite from the perks of being a wallflower. The quote is in that moment, we were infinite. Mm-hmm. And I share that tattoo with one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, we both have that on our right wrist. Um, in the typewriter or like typeface, typewriter typeface. Um, and then the other one that's, I have two Harry Potter tattoos. <laughs> do you really? <laughs> I do. But the, the first one is very not obviously Harry Potter. Okay. Only if you are a true, true Harry Potter nerd, do you know this? Um, Abby Grace came up to me and was like, are those the page stars? And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and should we let our listeners Google that? Or do you want to explain briefly what um, page stars can, are? Because even can, I don't know. I'll, I'll, no, I'll, I'll explain it. So on the top of every single and bottom of every single page of every single Harry Potter book, yeah. there are three stars to the right and three stars to the left um, around the chapter and title. And at the bottom, it's underneath the page numbers. Um, and there are these three little stars that just frame it. And so I have those on my shoulders. So they frame essentially, they're equally spaced across, but they frame like my heart and my chest and everything like that on the tops of my shoulders. For me, I feel like they're like my most identifying tattoos because Mm. I can't see my big forearm tattoos because they're on the other side of my arms. But I feel like those are some of my most identifying tattoos because when I'm looking straight on, those are the only ones you can see in when I'm wearing just normal clothes. Again, I can't see the ones on the back of my forearms, but I have six huge anchors. So those are probably a little bit more identifying. (laughs) But and then behind my ear, I have mischief managed with the footsteps from the Marauder's Map. So (laughs) that is way more clearly Harry Potter. People know exactly what that is. It's the same font and everything like that from that. But the (laughs) but the the page stars are definitely like the true true Harry Potter nerds know exactly what they are. <laughs> uh, right. Well, you know, and it's funny, actually, I, I literally just started, I'm, I'm slightly behind. I literally just started the first book. I, I'd never oh. read any of the books before. I'd seen the movies mm-hmm. or at least parts of the movies in some form or another, but I, I, I just wanted something to kind of ease my mind in the evenings before I sleep, something I could read and, um, yep. you know, not be on my phone before I sleep. And so that, that's the book that I went to. So I, I started it. Get lost in them. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I started a little bit ago and, and thus far has been enjoyable. I like the style of writing and, and uh, yep. I know there are mixed opinions as, as to the, the quality of the writing, um, with Harry Potter, but ultimately the fan base is, is huge and, and I'm enjoying it so far. So, and then you mentioned Patrick Rothfuss, the name in the wind yeah, and, and I actually, is- or name of the wind rather, I heard that, I heard about that book originally on the Tim Ferriss podcast quite some time okay. ago and, and yeah. purchased it. So I have it, I started reading it and, and didn't, didn't finish, but um, I think it's something that I could maybe get into next after, maybe after the Harry Potter series. So it's definitely, so when my friends, like I, I, so my best friend and I, obviously, we have matching literary tattoos. We're both kind of book nerds. So we initially, she called me and she's like, you have to read this book. And I was like, okay. And she's like, and then you're going to be mad at me because you're going to read the second one. And she's like, and the third one's not out yet. And I was like, 
so you want me to read a book series that's incomplete? And she was like, I mean, they're like a thousand pages each. I was like, cool. That takes me like four days. So (laughs) I did. I read the whole first book in four days. Um, And then I think I read the whole second book in like two and a half days because I just like devoured them. And she's like, essentially, it's kind of like Harry Potter, except for that he's, she's like, it's more of like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. Mm, And mm -hmm. like, so I'm like, okay, like you've intrigued me with the fact that you're referencing Harry Potter to this book, but in a very different capacity. I could not put it down. And so I, I, everybody who's like, what book should I read? I'm like, the name of the wind. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know what? These are, and these are not books that everybody's heard of, uh, or I'm certainly the Harry Potter, but, but uh, name, name of the wind in, in particular. So we'll make sure to link to that in, in the show notes oh, yeah. and, and those it's listening so in. Good. If you, if like, literally, if you like fantasy whatsoever, it is extremely hard to put down. It's extremely well-written. It's, 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 there's so many things that are going on and I could see why it's a little bit hard to get into initially. I, I think I read the first like 30 pages and then like put it down for a couple days and then like picked it back up. And then like, but once I got into it, I was yeah. into it. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Well, I may have to give it another chance as well then. That, that's cool. We'll link to that in the show notes. We're going to actually just kind of transition directly from that. Um, and normally here we talk about your photography business and kind of the background of that. And, and as I mentioned, we had you back uh, in episode 84 and you shared some of that with us. So yeah. for those of you listening in who haven't heard that episode, do make sure you go back to episode 84. Uh, and by the way, we're on certainly on, on the Apple podcast app. We're on Stitcher, which is currently my favorite podcast app. Although I have to say Spotify's Spotify's had podcasts on it for a while, but the way that that the format uh, in which they're listing episodes now, especially for our podcast is really nice. You can clearly see the thumbnail, the title of the show. It's very easy to browse back through. And, and, you know, if there's a particular topic that you're wanting to hear or learn more about, you can easily pick an episode to listen to. So if you're not listening on Spotify, go check out the interface uh, for podcasts and Spotify because it's really great there. Uh, But make sure you check out episode number 84. Today, though, we're going to jump into a really loaded topic, and I'm sure we'll end up covering this in, in maybe multiple episodes in the future because it's a big one. Um, it's a very big one. But it's it's a fascinating one to me just from the com- some of the conversation that I've had uh, in the past with photographers, and that is IPS or in-person sales. And, and the thing, the reason, I guess, ultimately that it's so striking a topic to me is because, number one, I didn't pursue in-person sales as a mm-hmm. photographer. Frankly, I was just kind of lazy about it. I I wanted to charge enough for weddings. I was shooting weddings and charge enough for weddings up front that I didn't really have to think about additional work on the back end. And, um, you know, the reality from what little bit I understand of it now is that it's not that it takes so much more work and the potential for additional revenue is just mind boggling. I mean, I was talking to one photographer um, who we've actually had on the podcast quite some time ago, my friend Katie, she was talking about how she's had she'll do a, a sales session and, and sell $1,500 or, or even, you know, two or $3,000. And, and yep. it's not an unusual thing. And yep. this is from a portrait session, you know, much less yep. a, a wedding. So the potential there is incredible. It might seem overwhelming, especially to a sole proprietor or photographer who is just like, I'm, I'm just struggling to try to get by. And so I want to kind of demystify it a little bit, hopefully, and then maybe give an introduction to those who are listening in today and and share a little bit of your experience so maybe they can get started in this process of in-person sales. So just to kind of get started, will you maybe just kind of define what in-person sales actually means for the listeners that aren't familiar with it? Perfect. Yeah, I can definitely do that. Um, So in-person sales is, I mean, self-explanatory in the ways that it is in-person sales, but it's, it's much less of a 
sales process than people think. Um, so in-person sales specifically is built into your workflow so that people are expecting to have that. For me, it was a huge thing of transitioning from just being able to deliver a gallery to people to being able to deliver final prints and final albums. Um, and that's, it was a huge shift in my business. Um, and that is, for me, it's a more completed product because you give people a digital gallery and they're like, cool, how do I download this? How do I do this? And then they share it on Facebook. And then like a year later, they're like, oh, we still haven't gotten it printed. And like, okay, so all my hard work is sitting on your cell phone and, <laughs> and you know, things like that. But so being able to have a, I call them reveal sessions when I'm with a, a boudoir client and even with a wedding client. So being able to have a reveal session where people come in and see their images for the first time, and then you sit down and you walk through the products that you that they want and that you want to sell them. Um, so being able to give them options of printed physical products that they're going to be able to hold in their hands. Um, and it does truly, truly increase revenue, but you're being able to have that conversation in person with them. You're not going back and forth over email. You're not dealing with digital galleries. You're not doing any of those things. Um, and it's an extremely like powerful tool in business. So being in person and being able to sell to your clients, but sell them things that they truly want, things that they might not have realized that they that they do want because they're saying, oh, I want digital files. That's not always the case. They want them for different reasons than you think. They want to share them on Facebook. Um, sure. <laughs> so, and know, I guess this, it doesn't mean that, that uh, it's kind of all or nothing, right? It's not that you can't no, also still not. offer a digital gallery, but they, they'll still have the opportunity to be able to share on Facebook in addition. Absolutely. Okay. And especially for me, like I have a lot of clients, like, or there are a lot of people who say, just don't give anybody any digitals. And I'm like, but we live in a digital age and I totally understand where people do want to share these things on Facebook. Am I going to give them the high-res digital files? No. Am I going to give them Facebook-sized web images because they want to share them with their friends and Facebook is a huge... like That's word-of-mouth marketing. Yeah. It really, truly is yeah. um, because that is somebody saying, look at what I have and all of this other stuff. And I'm, I've gone back to people and been like, where did you get those photos done? They're beautiful. And they'll tell me. And it's you know it maybe takes the initial step of somebody asking, but if somebody's truly interested and thinks that something is too, like so gorgeous they're going to ask the person who posted it. So it's like, it's, you know, one more step in the relationship marketing part of that, but it, it is truly beneficial for people to have those. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and, and even more so now, maybe uh, that Facebook has made yet more changes in their algorithm. I know, and, I'm so and scared. Well, but, <laughs> but ultimately they're prioritizing, uh, at least they say they're prioritizing interaction, genuine interaction between you and friends. And, you know, of course yes. we're, we're having a harder and harder time, at least without, and I was just looking at numbers today with, with Haley, who heads up our digital marketing, um, mm -hmm. looking at statistics on, for our Facebook page and, and engagement or, or lack thereof. And, yeah. and very naturally we get more engagement when we're actually sp spending money promoting posts and yep. we're not as much on, on the organic stuff. And, and, you know, there are multiple reasons behind why or why not, but yep. ultimately all that to say, it's important that we actually enable our clients, mm -hmm. um, maybe even more so than ever to share the, our work with yeah. their friends, because that kind of actual engagement where they're seeing the images and commenting on them or liking them uh, yep. creates additional engagement or encourages engagement and ultimately more visibility for your brand. So it's important that we note that. I love that you made the point that that you have, you're managing the client's expectation to begin with, that this isn't a situation where you're trapping them in a sales session, but that you've already created the expectation up front, which is, hey, this is part of the, the process um, that we have this reveal 
after we do this shoot. And, and I think that's also really important to note because, you know, those people who, and including myself for that matter, are not, or at least would say, you know, I'm not, I'm not salesy, quote unquote. Um, oh yeah. Those people that are apprehensive to go into a sales session and feel like they're being pushy, trying to sell, sell something to their clients in this way. Um, you're, you're managing expectations ahead of time. So it's low pressure. And I think that's really, really important as well. And then I have a follow-up question to your point and we'll get to, to my next yeah. question. And that is, yeah. um, do you, you're talking about, for example, an opportunity to sell prints or albums. Mm-hmm. Do you include prints or albums in any of your packages currently, or do you leave those off so that you have the opportunity to sell in the in person? I'm about to restructure the way that I do my wedding sales in June. I too late for January, <laughs> but um, I'm going to be restructuring that. So currently. Every single one of my wedding packages includes an album in it, but it has a page number. So then I have people wanting to fit more images than should be in there into that number of pages versus I'm going to actually switch to an image number. Um, And then if people want to add additional images, then we're going to be going on that route because that's worked really well for my boudoir business in adding imagery. And what would you say is the difference in, in those two approaches? What's the benefit of, of this different approach that you're going to be moving to? <laughs> Money. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and that totally makes sense. But in what sense, I guess I'm, I'm just thinking about like, what's the difference between the experience that, that the client is going to have in that situation? Why would you, why, why are you able to ultimately make more money um, by focusing on the image number versus the page number? Because again, so people, so right now, so my smallest wedding package includes an eight by eight, 30 page album. So then people are like, okay, we want to fit everything into this 30 page album. And I usually tell them we're looking for 60 to 80 images that are going to fit into this album. And then they're like, oh, but we just want to add this one. And then we just want to add this one. And Mm. for me, that's not an eight by eight album. Isn't huge. It's big and beautiful. And it's definitely a wedding album and they're very beautiful quality. um, But that's the more images that you put on that page, the smaller those images become. And I really do want people, if these are important enough to be putting them in an album, to give them their space that they're, that they should have, you know, your bouquet does not need to be a one by one inch square. That's tiny girl. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that's, I want to be able to show, showcase the beauty of your wedding day and tell your story in a proper way and not be worried about that fitting everything into a page count. And then obviously the benefits of, you know, because if I'm saying, okay, this is how much it is to add pages, people are like, oh no, we're not going to do that. Mm. Whereas if I show them, I pre-design all of my wedding albums before they even get there, which is part of my upsell process. We can talk about that in a little bit. Um, But I already have more images in there than what is allotted because I say, you know, people, and I, it is setting that expectation. I tell people way beforehand, Generally, people spend X amount in upgrades, like they add more images or they add at at the moment, I've been saying they add extra pages. Mm -hmm. I was like, just because, you know, just so that you can prepare for that, I will send you over all of the information about this, how we're going to go through our process, how we're going to be able to do all of those things. But I've always got more images and or pages in there than what I allot for, which is both an upsell technique. And it's also me not like having no self-control and loving it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> so there, there's both sides of that. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that a big part of this in-person sales part of it, not being salesy is being genuine about it. Sure. Because while yes, I've like, can I design a wedding album in 30 pages? Yes. Do I want to? Not necessarily because I don't think that that's enough space to 
truly showcase what somebody's wedding day was like and what their love story is like. So having that, that, so I need to say that it's a base package or like that's the starter (laughs) and I haven't been marketing it that way. So I need to change the way I'm doing things for my weddings for that to be more profitable for me. Um, Boudoir, I sell my albums by image number um, and that has been extremely beneficial. Um, And then, and I have different sizes of albums for my different packages and in turn, that's been extremely, extremely profitable for me. So I think when I sit down and I restructure what I'm doing with weddings, I'm going to change it over to that because it's been more successful for me. There's also a lot, there's a lot more associated with weddings. So obviously I know I'm going to have to have a higher image number and different things like that, but that's, you know, but it is all, it does all come from a place of being genuine that I sit there and I'm like, I love every single one of these images and you know, yes, we have to have your family pictures and yes, we have to have these things in there. So these are things that need to be in there and need to have space and not just be pushed into a corner that, and made small, you know, those are important elements of your day and your story. And so let's genuinely love them and let them have a space in your album that everybody's going to look at. Yeah. Well, and again, creating those expectations up front, even, even when it comes to, if you're talking about image number and now we're, maybe there's an associated conversation that happens there about the, the size of the images that are the, the, yep. the limit as far as the size of the images on the page. And you can create that expectation, but then you can also show them the difference with that pre-design. Pre-design makes yeah. me think of, of Gary Fong. Uh, mm-hmm. who used to be kind of an icon. Oh, yeah. and, and I've read his book and it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, in the, in the industry. And that was this was something that he used to talk about and he used to make ridiculous money um, yeah. pre-designing albums and, and upselling as you're describing. But um, thank you for the introduction. And I guess I'm curious, I mean, speaking really of an introduction, I, if, if you were, wh- what's your background with IPS? How, how were you even introduced to the idea of in-person sales and how did that ultimately kind of, well, at least initially anyway, shape your understanding of, what it meant to do in-person sales. Oh gosh. Okay. So <laughs> uh, when I worked on cruise ships, this is like how most of my life goes when I worked on cruise ships. Yeah. So I worked on ships for three months at, initially on the Norwegian Pearl. And within those three months, I, on my birthday, actually that year, my 24th birthday, I got a promotion to run the new private studio that was going to be being put in on that ship when we were on dry dock. Then I dislocated my knee and got medically debarked and was off for three months. And then they flew me back to a different ship and they're like, great, you're still going to be in the studio. You're taking over for somebody else. I'm like, cool, amazing. I have no idea what I'm doing. Obviously, I know I, I know how to shoot. I had no problems knowing that I knew how to shoot. I hadn't been in a real, stu- like this is like full on like studio, lights, backdrops, the whole nine yards. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, this is going to be a little, real fast learning curve, Carly. Like, get ready. Walked under the ship, had this beautiful Deck 12 studio with full wall of windows, and it was gorgeous, and, you know, a big computer, and, like, my own private office, and it was, like, dream come true. And they were pretty much like, these are our packages. This is what we want you to sell. This is how it is. And ready, go. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> what did I get myself into? <laughs> it was terrifying. It was honestly terrifying because I was thrown into it. And so the girl who had left the studio because ships are like on a rotation, everybody goes on vacation, all of this other stuff. And you got X amount of time off. So the girl who had gone on vacation prior to me. And so I'm on a new ship. I don't know anybody on this ship. I don't know anybody on the photo team. I just come from Pearl. I just come, well, I just come back from recovering from dislocating my knee. So getting onto the like ship and being able to do all this step one, memorize. Like I literally I could probably spit out every single product and they don't offer the same things anymore, but that Norwegian Cruise Lines offered for the two years that I was there. I know every single product, how much it costs, every single size within every single package. Like 
I memorized that. I literally would repeat it to myself over and over and over and over and over again. And then I probably did close to 800 sales sessions on ships. Wow. So this is literally why I can still repeat it now because it's like ingrained in my brain um, (laughs) when you do it that many times. But I had to teach myself how to do this because they pretty much threw me into the studio and said, this is how you shoot. This is how you, you know, organize your catalogs. This is how you do this and ready, set, sell. That was terrifying. So that's literally how I got started was being thrown to the wolves. And, you know, just the most popular collection that we had, I sold tons of because it was something that I loved. um, And it was something that was easy to easy to sell in the fact of like what was in it. So we called it the stair climber collection and it had a, oh gosh, a 16 by 20 canvas, two, no, two 16 by 20 canvases, a 20 by 30 canvas and three 10 by 10 canvases called the stair climber. And it was set up essentially as like a diagonal so that all of those things like went as if they were going up a staircase. And I did have actual products in the studio to showcase people that made that a lot easier, but I was literally just like thrown to the wolves and I did okay. Um, and eventually I before I left Norwegian Cruise Lines, I did walk away and I had the highest single sale record of anybody in the company. And I held that for almost two years, even after I left. And then they changed everything about the studios, their products, their pricing and everything like that. And that's obviously changed now. I've been gone for almost four years. What was the, what was the sale number? If you um, could share. I had, I had one family who purchased almost $6,000 worth of canvases wow. from their 35-minute photo session. 35-minute. Wow. That's yep. so incredible. Yep. Okay. So well, let, let's let's take this then to the next level. So that was your introduction. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, now you have your own photography business. We're kind of fast-forwarding. Again, if you guys want to hear a yeah. bit more history, you can go back to episode 84, but... Um, so now, now you're, now you have your own business, you're off the ships, your introduction was there on the ships the context is really very different. And, and as we were just saying, it's not very personal in the sense that you didn't create these packages, you're selling product for somebody else. Uh-huh. Now you've got your own thing. It's very personal. How did you bring IPS into your own business and, and how did, did it look different? Or if, if it did look different, how did it look different? Oh, it looks extremely different. Um, so I will be very honest. It took me a long time to want to go back into doing in-person sales. Ships was very salesy and very <sighs> corporate in the ways that when I left, when I left ships, I left because they were literally constantly like, you're not making enough money. And I was like, people celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary do not want to buy a canvas collection. They want an eight by 10. Like they really do. Like you can't, you can't force people to buy something that they don't want and they don't love. Young families, they want a canvas collection for their wall of their kids when they're on their vacation. People celebrating their 50th wedding anniversaries want an eight by 10 and maybe a couple five by sevens to Mm. share with their children. Mm -hmm. Like that, you have to know your demographic. And the last trip that I was on, which I can't say is one of my, they're all my favorites. Like, um, but the Norwegian sun, I was out of Tampa. I shot more 50th wedding anniversaries in the four weeks that I was on the sun than I did for the rest of the two years that I was with Norwegian cruise lines. Um, because it was an older demographic. Generally our, uh, average age on the ship was around 62, which means there were a few kids and a lot of people in their seventies and eighties. Yeah. And knowing that demographic, and I was constantly told, you're not making enough money, your studio's not performing well, you're not producing the image, and that's when I actually sent my resignation, you're not producing the image quality that we expect from you. And I was like, you're wrong. My images are beautiful. Um, You just don't understand the demographic that I'm selling to. When I had one week that had four 50th wedding anniversaries, I was like... I can't sell canvas collections. Like this is not what they want. I'm trying to give them everything that they want and trying to give them a positive experience overall. 
they were all very happy with it. So, but taking it to your business though, now that you know your demographic, yeah. the people that you're working with, how did what did that then look like when you decided to go ahead? Because I can understand being burnt out on the process oh, as a yes. result of your experience <laughs> here on the ship, but when you decided to to reimplement it and um, or or just really implement it to begin with in your own business, what did it look like? Mm-hmm. I sat down. Um, and so like I said, I'm going to be restructuring my wedding. So what I'm mostly going to talk about with this is my boudoir sales. And I sat down and said, what would I want? What would I want from a session like this? What would I want to give you know, somebody that I'm dating or somebody that I'm married to or a little black book type album or different things like this? Or if I want something luxury, what's that going to look like? What would I want in these packages? What products do I love? What products are things that I truly genuinely believe in? And I believe that are wonderful. And that's where I started with things that I would want, because if I would want that, like if I wouldn't want it, why would I want to sell it? Like, I'm not going to try and sell somebody something that I don't love. End of story. Um, And so, and even as I've gone through the sales process, truly in the last two months, my boudoir business has really, really taken off. I think I've done about 25 sessions in the last two months. And every single one of those has had a, a sales session. Going through and actually being able to go through these sales processes, I'm I'm looking at some of the things that I have on there that I truly love. And I'm like, but do I really need to be offering that? Because maybe somebody will buy it. But for the most part, I really think I need to tailor my collections again. I'm not going to change them now. I'm going to give it six months. But like, you know, just sitting down and knowing what I truly love and what people really do want. And that's, that's been a huge part of being able to sell those things. Um, is, is knowing what I love and what I want to sell and what I want people to have, I guess, is the other part of that. Because I don't, you know, I don't want people to have, especially in boudoir, I don't want people to have canvases. I want people to have metal prints. Metal prints print gorgeously, especially for boudoir. They're modern, they're sleek, they're, they're sexy. And like canvases are very family oriented and different things like that. And so like, I want modern, sleek and sexy for boudoir. So I only sell metal prints for boudoir. I don't sell canvases. I sell canvases for weddings. Everybody loves canvases for weddings. Nobody wants to, and like, but nobody in my boudoir, I'm like, nope, that's not something I'm offering. So when I actually did transition my business into it, I had to sit down and realize what would I want out of this? And that was where I started with that. And I think that's really smart. And and not only that you're you're selling stuff that you love, but that it's that is appropriate to the particular type of uh, session that or event that you photographed. I think that's really important yep. as well. Can you give us like the the just the three minute version of what an actual sales session looks like in your studio? Absolutely. So I am an oddball in the way that I run things. So I actually have same same day sales sessions as my uh, my sessions. So in most cases, so I they come in, they get their hair and makeup done. We sit, we chat. They have a mimosa. I do their session, which is usually around 60 to 90 minutes of shooting. Um, and then as soon as we're finished, I'll say, okay, go ahead and you can get dressed and, you know, make yourself comfortable, gather up your things that you brought. I'm going to head downstairs and start uh, my studio's two stories and I'm going to head downstairs and start importing everything. So I go through and I, uh, this is more than a very quick version, but I run through bridge. I figure out that I pick my, I call my images absolutely right then and there, usually from five to 600 down to about 90. Um, I take those images, I import them into Lightroom. I have two presets saved for my basics. And then on top of basics, then I choose which images go into black and white. Um, I export them. I retouch them quickly with portraiture in Photoshop. So all of that process takes me about 45 minutes. And then by the time that 45 minutes is up, they've sat down. I've asked them if they want another drink or a glass of water or anything like that. Um, sometimes 
sometimes they'll leave and go grab coffee. They come back and we sit down and we do their sales session right there. So they'll sit down. We run through a slideshow. Um, usually it's about 10 minutes. That And then from that 10 minute slideshow, I will stop and then I will... And they've all seen my products, my product pricing before. They've been able to ask me any questions prior to this in, you know, leading up to their session about products, what they're looking for. I ask them in a questionnaire what they want. Um, And that's a huge thing because then I know what they're looking for. If they're saying, I just want to purchase prints or I want something to hang on my wall, those are on the cheaper side of my products. Most people end up getting a little black book because that's truly what they want. And I figure that out once we actually sit down and start talking about it. But sending them that questionnaire gets them thinking about the things that they want to purchase or how they want to display, quote unquote, these most of them live in little black books because they're boudoir images. Sure. That's great though that you're again you're managing their their expectations very proactively. Do they know when they when they come in that day that it's going to be a 3 to 4 hour process? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. I tell them to set aside 5 hours. Okay. Um and so that and it hasn't been an issue so far. Like actually this past Saturday, I shot three sessions in one day. And then I did all three of the sales sessions yesterday. That was a unique situation. I was in an Airbnb. I wasn't in my own studio. I didn't have you know time, enough daylight to do all three of those sessions and those sales sessions right. the same day, which was great because then actually in turn, the anticipation of waiting overnight to see their images, but knowing that they get to see them the next day is very powerful. Anticipation is a great thing. But that anticipation during that 45 minutes while they're waiting for me to finish editing and I'm pretty much like bouncing up and down in my chair being like, oh my God, I can't wait to show you these is a different type of anticipation. But so yeah, so we'll go through their slideshow. We'll sit down. We'll go through my products. I will show them samples of every package that I have. I'll go, I'll walk through my a la carte options and tell them about them. If they ask to see any of those, then I will pull them out because I would rather sell packages. Those are the things that I focus on. And then I essentially say the easiest way for me to, for us to go back through your images and figure out what, you know, what number of images we're looking for is, have you thought about anything you would like to purchase? Do you have anything in mind? We can aim for that. Um, and then usually they'll be like, yeah, I really want to get this little black book. Or maybe my my collections are named um, the Audrey, the Sophia, the Grace, and the Marilyn. So <laughs> the Audrey and the Sophia, my two smallest packages, are my two most popular. The, I mean, boudoir is a new thing. It's a very luxury experience, but it's also an expensive experience. They are the most popular. That's fine. I'd like to restructure that so that they're going to be more profitable for me. But they're not, they're not bad right now. I can't complain. And so being able to sit down, show them those products in their hands, and then say, great, now let's choose the images for yours. They get so excited about it. Um, And then the narrowing process is hard um, and it's supposed to be hard. And I've literally had people be like, okay, I can't narrow it down anymore. I guess we're going to upgrade a package because that package has 20 images and this one only has 15. So that in itself um, is super beneficial that they love everything. Um, And it's, you know, to add, it's a $450 difference between those five images. Um, So for me, it's extremely profitable um, to have them upgrade. It's also a different size album. So there's that as well. But those are, those are very big things. That's a very big jump in a number there for a boudoir session. And so it's, everything else takes me the same amount of time. And so selling my smallest package, I'm still essentially making over a hundred dollars an hour, which is great. <laughs> That's not a bad rate, and and it's especially good if you know how much. Uh, of course, how much you make an hour, and and how relevant that is to your goals. It's important yep. to know your numbers, and yep. and um and this is actually something that you even referenced earlier in our conversation uh, before we started recording. But knowing knowing numbers as it relates to how much you want to make in a year. And yep. how much you need to make, not just 
a, a kind of a gross figure, but how much you actually want to profit and then breaking that down even to the extent of how much you need to be making an hour is, is really important as a, as a, mm -hmm. as an intelligent business owner, very proactive yeah. in an effort to not only run a business, but run a, a profitable business. So, um, yeah. at the end of the day, that dollar amount per hour, that the, the goal dollar amount per hour may be different for different people, but it's important yep. to know what that is or what that should be. And, um, and then ultimately be basing your pricing on that. So that's, that's important to note, but what would you say? And, and thank you for, for breaking that down in detail. Oh, yeah, I know that absolutely. that kind of detail is going to be very helpful for our listeners, especially those who are not as familiar with this process, but what would you say is the most challenging element of in-person sales? Oh, <laughs> um, from a personal standpoint, it is literally the last section when they've decided everything that they want and we've chosen colors. And I literally have to ask them, how will you be paying for that? That is a really big challenge for me. And it's, you know, another book that I think everybody should read. You're a Badass by Jen Sincero. My friend, Kirsty uh, Kurtubin, she is like, girl, you need to read this book. So I bought it. I read it on the plane on my way back from DC a few weeks ago. And it is, she talks about having issues with money, like having a negative thought with money as in I'm making too much or not, not even I'm making too much, but if I make this much money, people are going to look at me a different way, blah, 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 like all this other stuff. And it is literally when I have somebody, I'm like, okay, that's going to be like my, my sale, my big sale on ships, that $6,000 sale. It's like, that's going to be $593.85. And she goes, here's my card. And like, that was terrifying. And even now just sitting down and being able to be like, Hey, yeah, um, I, that'll be a thousand dollars. How would you like to pay for that? That's going to be $2,100. How would you like to pay for that yeah. is a terrifying question. That is a very challenging element for me personally. Are you afraid that they're going to, that they're going to balk at the price point or what's the fear in that? I think so. Even though like they shouldn't because we've already been over it and right. it's on my screen. Like it's literally sitting on my screen and okay. they can see how much it costs and they say, yes, I want that one. And then like, but the physical act of asking them that hmm. terrifies me. And that's me personally. Sure. But I think the most challenging element of IPS and the thing that I struggled with was setting my prices for my for my products and I'm like I said I'm still you know sitting back and trying to figure out how to restructure these because truly it's only been probably four months that I've truly truly implemented IPS um, and like I said in my boudoir business my boudoir I've been shooting boudoir for a couple of years I did not heavily pursue it and put myself into the education for it until January of this year so we're talking two months of me literally pushing myself back into in-person sales and not wanting to hate myself over it, knowing the time commitment that it was going to be. And in, I, I've had the most three profitable months of my, I've had the last, the last two weeks have been the most profitable in my business hands down. Wow. And, and maybe to that point, then what would be the most rewarding? I mean, there's, there are innate challenges to it. It maybe takes a little bit of investment up front, both in education and, and of course and, time setting it up. And like you said, yeah. setting up the packages and, and, and I'll reiterate the point again, which is when it comes to pricing, you know, there's, there's a lot of question and, and, or has been anyway, a lot of question in the industry about pricing. A lot mm -hmm. of pricing has to do with what your end goals are. And, and as long as you're Absolutely. clear, not you, of course, uh, yeah, no. Carly specifically, but just our listeners, everybody in general, um, establishing price point has, it's not so much, I mean, certainly you can look at your market and what they're charging and maybe there is a, a piece of the puzzle there, which is under, at least understanding what others in your market are charging. But ultimately your business is your business. Your goals are 
unique to you ultimately. And you have to be clear about what it is that you're actually striving for as an individual and a business owner and let that help guide the pricing structure. So that's important to keep in mind. But outside of these challenges, what would you say then would be the most rewarding element of in-person sales? Reveal sessions in in both wedding and in boudoir. Um, Just getting to see how your clients physically react to your images in person is the most rewarding experience. I mean, yes, profit and that stuff as well. Like, yes, everybody wants money. We all know that. Like, let's not be ashamed about it. But because if anybody's anything like me and they love, if you love what you do, you love sharing that. Um, And that element of physically getting to see how your clients react to their images, um, especially with boudoir, it's extremely powerful. It's a makeover process. It's all of this other stuff. People are being very vulnerable. People are, you know, things like that. Um, But I mean, when you have somebody react to their images in such a positive way, um, it's the most rewarding thing on the face of the planet. Even more than, than getting likes on Instagram? Oh God, I hate likes on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but I, I was just thinking though, as you're describing that, I, I can, uh, first of all, I can obviously see the appeal. It, it, there's affirmation innate to that. And then of course, knowing that you're making mm-hmm. a difference in, in these people's lives um, in one form or another is, is really, really powerful in and of itself. But, you know, as photographers, we're, we're so, um, I don't know, apt to, to be striving for even that little bit of engagement, which is, you know, getting a like on an image that you're posting to your yep. Instagram account. And, and simultaneously, some of these same photographers are going to be apprehensive putting the effort and energy and time into setting up IPS. But the reality is, if you're, if you're looking for that kind of affirmation, there is an opportunity for that, that not only can you have the affirmation, but then also, also see the difference that you're making in your client's lives in person, which is really, really powerful. And then, of course, there is the additional benefit, which we've already discussed, which is the possibility of being able to actually increase um, revenue for your business, which is also really incredible, too. So it looks like a a kind of a multi-tiered benefit that comes from making the effort to set up this IPS program for your business. It so is. And then, and I think the other rewarding part of it is so one of my past couples, my brides, they they just went home over Christmas and they haven't seen a lot of their friends since their wedding, which was November of 2016. And they just went home for Christmas of 2017. So they hadn't seen a lot of people in that time. They took their album with them and they literally, I had them text me and they're like, everybody loves this. So just the like residual of that, of like putting products in people's hands and letting them and then they have those things to share they're like it was so much better than pulling out our ipads and being able to share that way because you can have multiple people look at an album and touch it and feel it and all of these other things and it can be passed around and it it becomes a treasure in its own right and those physical products are so incredibly important and so hearing them tell me that we took it home and everybody loved it and we just loved being able to share it with everybody that we know and same you know, that part is also super rewarding or even like other clients who hang my images in their home and they they shoot me a quick text oh my gosh we just hung this up and it looks so beautiful thank you so much that means that I have given them something that they value so much that they want to look at it all the time, which obviously is the ultimate goal of being a photographer. It's really, really (laughs) Um, beautiful. But so seeing them react to them in in person and see that 
true reaction of like yeah. how they feel about their images. Like I said, especially boudoir is extremely powerful. I've had women break down in tears in my studio um, during their reveal sessions, which of course makes me cry because I'm a big old sap. And, you know, that's a very, very powerful thing. And it is extremely, extremely rewarding. And then on top of that, there is the profit. I mean, I, like I said, not to be ashamed of it, like there is the profit and it is so much more profitable to do in-person sales because people purchase, people make purchase decisions based on emotion. And when they have that emotional connection to the things that you're physically showing them right in front of you, and you're there, not to necessarily like egg it on, but like to continue to say, yes, you are beautiful in this, or yes, you know, this is my favorite image. And you're reassuring what they're feeling. They're going to make purchases. Well, on that note, uh, and we just have a couple minutes left here, but what are a few I know st- I talk a lot. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Don't wait. I mean, you shared again the detail, especially in going through that process of what it looks actually looks like in your studio when you go through that is is extremely helpful. So I really truly appreciate you sharing that. But mm-hmm. just on a on a maybe kind of a different practical note, how can our yeah. listeners now get started, especially if they're not already doing in-person sales? What are maybe a few steps that that our listeners can take to get started with IPS? Oh, step number one, run your numbers. That is the biggest and most helpful element of um, in-person sales because you have to know where you want to be to be able to try and hit those targets. Yeah. So I know personally, even though I've had the most, like I said, most profitable two weeks of my entire business, um, I have been able to I'm under essentially what I want, quote unquote, to be making. But I also know that if I'm still making what I'm making, I know where I'm at in my head for my goals for the year. I might be under currently with my average sale, but I also know what I have to, then how many more sessions I have to do in turn to, or how many more weddings I need to book in turn to be able to make up those numbers. Um, And so that's a big you know, just being able to know that in my head and keep those business sense um, when I'm doing these sales sessions, which like I said, a lot of my sales sessions are very emotional, which is great. Um, but I still have to be a business person at the end of the day. And and running my numbers was the most helpful um, to say, this is where I would like to be. And even if it's if it doesn't change between this year and next year, that's okay, because this is where I would like to be. And this is what I need to strive to sell in each session to get to that place. Yeah. And I would say that there are a couple of things just very simply and, and practically, and it doesn't even take a huge time investment that, that photographers can do if they aren't already. Number one would be to put a, a system such as QuickBooks Online in place, yeah. not only for the sake of accounting and taxes and so forth, but ultimately to be able to, to do this very thing, which is to know your numbers, to run your numbers, to actually see what you're bringing in, what your cost yep. of doing business is, and ultimately yep. what you're making. Uh, but along with that, like we talked about earlier, and I'm, I'm so glad that you you made this as, as the first point, um, but to reiterate what we were saying earlier, be aware of what you actually not only need to make, but want to make, and then yeah. and then break that down. Don't just have one big number in mind, but break that down. What is that? If you're a portrait photographer, how many sessions do you need to make? And from each of those sessions, not just the session fee, but from the sales process and the products that you're going to sell, how much do you need to bring in from each session in order to reach that goal? Be really, really clear about that because if nothing else, just as a starting point anyway, having that goal is gonna, uh-huh. going to enable you to push you um, to sell more effectively 
preemptively, if you're just kind of random, if you, if you don't have any particular number in mind or particular goals nope. in mind, you're going to be less motivated. So it's really important to know your numbers again, on just a very basic level. And, it, and it's not going to take too much effort, even, especially with the tools that we have in 2018 to, to put this kind of thing in place. It just takes a, you know, a couple of hours, set it up, know what the numbers are, take some time with a notebook yep. or Evernote or whatever the, the tool well, is that you I, use. I literally, I just, I had a yellow legal pad. I wrote yeah. it all down. I said, this is what I like, what would I like? And I said, what would I like to take home this year? What, what number would I like to take home this year? Okay. For that, what's the taxes going to be on that? So yes. I set aside, this is what taxes are going to be. Okay. Yep. What are my actual business costs associated that I'm going to put aside because this is take home, not pay my business costs out of what I'm taking home. What are my business costs associated with that? And then, and, and this is really basic stuff, by the way. But yeah, it's it sadly it's not done consistently on, on a very proactive level. And and frankly, it was one of my weaknesses oh, um, as as a photography business owner, not just not diving in right away and being proactive in, in this way. And, and, you know, even bringing somebody alongside me that could, that could help me in those areas that I wasn't as strong in, but it's, we have to be proactive as business owners and it's not necessarily quote fun, but it's just no. a part of doing business. <laughs> and, and you can have, you can have outside help, but at least on a basic level, it's important to be aware of your numbers and to know what you're actually striving for. And as you said, to be very clear about the difference between your revenue that your gross revenue, and then ultimately what you want to take home. And yes, you got to keep in mind that you have to pay taxes on that. Um, So don't just say, hey, I did $3,000 in my session this weekend. You have to say, this is what I, you have to at least be aware of what you're actually taking home from that after all is said and done cost of doing business as well as taxes and be really clear and honest with yourself about that. And that will help you establish really clear goals. And it is that clear and honest part that is very, it's, you have to have a very like, self-centered moment of what do I actually want to make and what is this actually going to cost me and like what are what is this and you know where do I want to go from here and like I said I'm not hitting what I want per boudoir glamour session right now that's okay I know what my goal is if I can I'm getting closer to my goal that's great like um but I'm also like I'm like okay I'm sort of at half for having really pursued this for the last two months and being at half of what my goal is to make a number that I would never think that I would be able to make in a year, I'm doing okay. And I have to remind myself of that. And so that is, but step number one, run your numbers. Like that is literally step number one for doing in-person sales because then you can see how much you need, want, not need. Your, Your session fee should cover your needs. Your want should be what you're pers- you're doing, you know, obviously minus the cost of your products um, from those in-person sales sessions. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that was a huge thing. I said, what covers my costs? What pays for itself? What is going to do this? What is going to give me at least a little bit of money and cover my needs as a business owner? And that's what my sessions fee is set up as. And then anything from there becomes profit. Cool. Very, very cool. All right. Take us to another step. Okay. Step two, setting your product prices and setting your products. So like I talked about, don't sell things you don't like. End of story. And when you're doing your products, you cannot just, if anybody's worked in retail, I mean, if we're photographers, we've all worked a thousand jobs. So 
if you've worked in retail, things in retail are marked up by 50 or 100%. Uh, you can't do that. My cost of goods sold, uh, sold, I try to keep under 15%. That is really hard. When you look at something when, so like my, the little five by five signature book from Miller's is what I sell for my most basic boudoir package. That with 10 spreads, I think is usually what I do. Again, I sell by images. So if I add a couple extra spreads, it doesn't matter. Those are a couple dollars. Um, and I know that I've made that sale in turn. Usually it's 10 spreads. When I order it through Fundy, when I get everything done, it's $37. I sell it for 650. Wow. So I am, and I also an eight by 10 print. So I, my total cost of goods sold is $41 and like 58 cents or something like that. Yeah. Which is not much um, more than what is that? 5%, 6%, something like that. Exactly. Yeah. So that is, wow, that's my smallest package. Wow. That's my most popular package because that's what people can afford. Yeah. It's extremely profitable for me. That's a, yeah, that's a pretty incredible margin. <laughs> it's a very incredible margin. And for the fact that, like what I said, my session fee covers my costs. The costs associated, I don't pay rent on my studio. I know I'm like a unicorn for saying that. Um, it's been in my family forever. It's it's not a studio. It's a very modified space. And then, but when I do travel, I, tra- I pay for Airbnbs. I pay for hotels. I pay for all of those other things. So that essentially comes out of that. And I've factored all of that into my business class. My session fee for boudoir is $275. That covers hair and makeup. That covers a little bit of my time uh, because I'm, I know I should be paying myself more for my time, but I know that in the end it balances itself out, but that pays for my time that pays for my hair and makeup. And that pays for a space. If I'm paying for a space when I do sessions, like I said, in my own studio, I don't pay for that space. So therefore those session fees are then associated with my other destination session fees and they roll over. Those session fees are just set aside for that. And those cover my cost of doing business for that session. Um, and then anything that I'm profiting on, obviously that 5% of what I'm actually physically spending is taken out of that. But so if I'm making $650 for my one five by five album and an eight by 10 print, I'm then making, well, even round it up to 50 for, you know, just because if I'm spending $50 and I'm making $600 profit on that, that is I'm still making $600 profit on that. Yeah, that's not a big um, deal. And we still have to consider taxes in that. But, you know, yep. again, the margins there are really, really incredible. And yes. so, as you said, in step one, be aware of your numbers and understand what it is that you're actually striving for. And then yep. two, come up with a product list that you love, because as you said and explained wonderfully earlier, it, it enables you to be able to sell more effectively they oh, sense that emotion, that excitement that will translate into potentially more sales. So that's really, really mm-hmm. great. But also be aware of the cost of those products and and set the pricing as such so that you have the margins necessary to reach your, your financial goals and, and maybe yep. take us to a last step, if you will. Yes. Um, and so so then my last step would be memorize everything. <laughs> um, so like I said, when I was on ships, like just having that and I could spit it out, like I said, right now, I could tell you every single thing that Norwegian Cruise Lines used to offer. Knowing your products back and forth, being able to answer questions about them and answer questions about the prices and answer questions about things like that. First of all, memorizing it and being able to say those numbers to yourself. Sometimes they're very big, scary numbers. Like I said, I have a very big fear of like asking people how they want to pay for things and that's okay. But I know that those prices are solid. I know that those prices are benefiting me and I know that... um, 
and it's because I know them. I can spit out my packages and my collections without looking at them, which makes me confident in what I'm doing. And in that confidence, my clients can feel that confidence. I'm not referencing a piece of paper and saying, and um, we're going to add this, and then um, this is this much extra, and this is, uh, let me look at the size, and uh, that does not imply confidence. When you say confidently, in the Audrey collection, there is a five by five little black book with 15 images, and you get an eight by 10 gift print that is a dream print, and blah, 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 blah. They're going to feel the confidence in that, and the things that you're more confident in, they're going to lean towards for purchases. Um, And knowing exactly what you offer and everything that anybody could possibly ask you about it is your clients will come up with questions that you've never even thought of, but you have to have an answer and you cannot stumble over those words. Repeating it to yourself, repeating your prices in front of the mirror. I know it sounds ridiculous, but being able to say all of those things to yourself inspires the confidence that your clients have that that's that's a solid number. There's no discounts. There's no anything like that. There's no room for wavering in that those numbers. And that is huge. Well, to be able to, and I like that you made that point about confidence. We're talking about knowing that list. It's not just about being able to spit it back, but it's about being able to say it with consonants. So it's not only the excitement that you're bringing uh, to the conversation because you're, you're truly excited about the product that you're selling to the client, but you're able to state it with confidence along with that price point. And um, that, yeah. that can certainly translate when it comes to increasing sales. So this has been, a, you know, this has been a really wonderful introduction to IPS. I mean, it's a, a lot of information for our listeners, especially that have never really engaged in in-person sales before, but yeah. I think a, a great introduction in that sense. And what I'd love yeah. to do is just to, if, if you'll share with our listeners where they can find you online, there, there may be some follow-up questions there if you'd be willing to, to answer those. I, anybody, literally, if anybody has any questions about in-person sales, I'm more than willing to answer them. Um, so online, you can find me at my website is someplaceimages.com. Um, my Instagram is at someplaceimages. And then my Facebook is someplaceimages. I also do have my private boudoir group, which is where I do all of my marketing, um, which is for ladies only, which is someplace uh, boudoir and glamour. But that's for ladies only. Um, and that is where I have my interaction and my marketing with other people, with all my clients essentially. And they get to share their products that they're excited about, which is fantastic after the fact. But if anybody, I mean, if anybody has any questions for me, I'm more than happy to answer them and they can email me at carly at someplaceimages.com, C-A-R-L-Y, because I'm more than happy to help people get started in it. It's a, it's a big step. It's a very, very big, scary step. And it's, it's not easy, but it's a lot easier if you have somebody who can help you and that, you know, believes in you. (laughs) Well, and, and thank you on on that note, truly thank you for being willing to help our listeners and share with them today. Thank you so much for making time for the book of podcast. Absolutely. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Thank you.